1: I'm good with them going either way, as long as we're playing our butts off.
2: Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number... You put me on the spot. 678 (laughs) of Locked On Raptors for the Wednesdays. God, I have no idea what day it is. Tuesday, March the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of raptors.com. You can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast, and of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as we have team-focused shows covering all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, 30 of 31 MLB teams, or wait, there's 31 NHL teams. Yeah, that's what it is. 30, 31 NHL and. There 29 of 30 MLB teams, and we'll have those other ones covered soon, I'm sure. So please make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing. If you're a Toronto sports fan, make sure you're checking out Locked On Blue Jays with AJ Andrews, as well as Locked On Leafs with Mike DeStefano to uh, get the juice on those teams that are varying degrees of less fun than your Toronto Raptors. Uh, <laughs> and the laugh you hear there on today's show is uh, the first in-apartment guest of the podcast in a very long time. We used to have Will Lou come by my old house in Toronto once in a while, but since I moved to Hamilton, it's been uh, it's been a lonely road. So when he's in town, or when someone's in town, I have to rope them into coming to my house to make it seem like I have friends and company. Uh, joining me on the show is from Raptors Republic, Louis Zatzman. What's going on, buddy?
0: Yo, let me tell you, dear listener... He moved to Hamilton for good reason. His apartment is absolutely <laughs> off. Exposed brick, hardwood floors. this He lives in the lap of luxury.
2: You're hearing uh, the echoey stylings of the tall ceilings yeah, as well, ceilings. Uh, so apologies if the audio is not awesome today as we have to share a microphone, but that's okay. Uh, it's great to have you here, buddy, and uh, thanks for coming by to talk about one of the best wins of the season for the Raptors, 101-92 over the fraud Utah Jazz last night in Utah, the final game of the road trip, moving to 4-1 and on the road trip, moving to 46-18 and on the season. Lewis, we'll start it off the way we do all of these post-game shows. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' punking of the Utah Jazz?
0: I don't know if this is my biggest takeaway. Well, the biggest takeaway, let's start with the big one. Serge Ibaka yes. versus Rudy Gobert was... Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if I've seen a center outplay another center to that extent, ever. Yeah. And it's Ibaka outplaying, you know, a, a, a parent, an ostensible all-star mm-hmm. in Rudy Gobert. That was unbelievable. Mm-hmm.
2: It was... I mean, it can't be encouraging if you're a jazz fan yeah. and you're thinking about the playoffs and some of the teams that the Raptors have to face. Like Anthony Davis is basically a supercharged Serge Ibaka. Uh, <laughs> is he? I mean, Serge maybe.
0: Baca-like.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's a dollar store Serge Ibaka, much less handsome for sure. He can't
0: shoot
2: threes. No, he can't. Um, but man, Serge Ibaka can. He was five of seven from deep last night. He just, I mean, they they pulled Gobert away from the basket when they didn't pull him away from the basket and Ibaka was under the basket, it didn't seem to matter. Yeah. It was, you know, I think in past matchups with the Jazz, as you would expect because of Rudy Gobert, the Raptors have as most teams do kind of been very aware of Gobert and have kind of I think maybe shied away a little bit from just being overly aggressive I think we saw this uh, against the Bucks as well right when you have like Brooke Lopez there and you see the numbers that he has at the rim you obviously are going to think about those things before you drive and make your forays into the paint and it didn't seem like they were worried about that at all last night and it ruled
0: and when Portland was in Toronto the same thing happened with Hassan Whiteside I don't mm-hmm. know how many blocks he got mm-hmm. but he, he changed the game defensively mm-hmm. I mean Toronto has has had a problem in the past with gigantic centers who can block anything you throw up there. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned Brooke Lopez. Anthony Davis did the same when LA when they played LA. Um, and yet Rudy Gobert just did none of that. Yeah. He may as well have not been on the floor defensively. It was wild.
2: Yeah, I think a thing they really did well was they funneled the offense through Pascal quite a bit in the post, and doing so. Like, they really spaced Surge really well, I thought. And, like, they would have Surge kind of hang out around the nail. And then whenever Gobert would come down a double, instantly it was, like, going to Surge. And then they were either getting something easy out of it or it was Surge kicking out and they were swinging it around. Um, And then, obviously, when he's standing on the perimeter, you're never going to have Gobert go out there. And it seemed like the Jazz didn't really take advantage enough of the fact that Patrick McCall played 42 minutes in this game or something like that. No, that was the night before, wasn't it? No, no 40 it was last three. night. He played 42 <laughs> minutes last night and it was like, why didn't you just stick Gobert on him, right? It, like, yeah. it just seemed like maybe that's too much of like a playoff adjustment yeah. or something. Yeah, it just seemed like why wouldn't they do that when, when is stretching him out so much? They went zone a couple times, I yeah. think, throughout the game, but for the most part, they played it straight up, just like position by position, and it did not work at all.
0: I think what the reason why Toronto tore it apart, whether it was zone or man, was not only was Ibaka phenomenal, he shot 5 of 7 from deep, his pump and go game was amazing, he got mm-hmm. everyone to, it's like Valanciunas pump fake, yeah. everyone bit, his driving was great, his passing was on point. He had a couple really sharp reads to the corner. But Siakam's passing from the post and on the drive, I think, really unlocked Ibaka. It gave him that extra half step to be able to get the defense moving. It got people rotating. He was dominant in the post. Um, His counters against Royce O'Neal were just breathtaking. (laughs) And so, you know, we we talk about Ibaka dominating Gobert, but it's all interlocked, of course. And Siakam giving it up early and on time was a huge part in a being able to get advantageous you know positions
2: I'm not sure if uh, podcast network David Locke is listening uh, podcast network head honcho David Locke that is is listening I'm not sure uh, you know I, maybe I'm going to get Where you going maybe I'm city? going to get fired for putting him on blast for something but back when the Raptors played the Jazz the first time We were, I think you were there, I think, for the conversation we were having with David before the game in the hallway. Uh, That was the game the Raptors were up 40 at halftime against the Jazz and absolutely ran them out of the gym um, during their first sort of spell of not looking very good. The the uh, the answer to the question who guards Pascal was very quick from David. He said Royce O'Neill. Royce O'Neill's said very well. He'll yeah. guard him well. Yeah, he's like he's very strong. He will do it. And uh, it has not worked out as such in the two games the Raptors have played against the Utah Utah Jazz. With um, yeah, O'Neal kind of being the main guard. I think they threw a little bit of Bojan Bogdanovich on him too, which it's never a good idea. <laughs> and Siakam just like looks so comfortable and like this is the thing right we kind of know the teams going in that Siakam's going to look really good against this was a new level though yes. like as much as I thought Ibaka was incredible in this game I thought like Siakam's playmaking was absurd he was very close to a triple double he threw one pass that like broke my heart when Patrick McCaw missed the three and it just popped out to yes. this like disgusting skip pass from the right wing all the way to the left corner I don't think I've seen Siaka make that kind of pass before. I mean, he'll make some here and there, but like that one was like a, a standout. Like, oh, okay, it, this is like a thing now. And, and I really think the passing we've seen, and, and I made a note of this yesterday, Like, we've seen his assist numbers up a little bit lately, up to five or so in a lot of these games. He had eight last night. And I, yeah, and I think with the passing with him, this is like a direct... like This is development on the fly. This is a direct byproduct of like the Raptors saying, okay, we're going to run our offense through Pascal Moore. We're going to force him into situations where maybe he's uncomfortable and we're going to make him deal with them. And a lot of the times recently, it's been, you know, pretty wonky shooting lines and things like that. But we're also seeing him refine those counters and those playmaking abilities to sort of take advantage when teams are loading up on him. And I'm not saying it's always going to look like it did last night. The Jazz seemed particularly prone to it and they've been really prone to see Ockham carving them up. I think I wrote a piece after the first Jazz game about Siakam, just like having a mastery of the post. And because the Jazz weren't very creative, they were sending the same guy, usually Gobert from the middle, and it was just easy to pick apart. And so maybe this is a team-specific thing, but I do think it kind of speaks to the idea of developing on the fly and the sort of, like, this season being fully successful in what it was supposed to be. It's learning what Pascal is. It's improving Pascal as the number one option. Will he be this in the playoffs? I'm not sure. But... I don't know, what, what did you think of just like the way he carved up the Jazz last night?
0: So there's two sort of separate things. The post-game is unbelievable. Um, so when David Locke said that, he said, Royce O'Neal is so strong, mm-hmm. Siakam won't be able to move him. Which is not the case. And yeah. to O'Neal's credit, he had, I think, two plays... Where he stood Pascal Siakam up strong. Yeah, there was a
2: stretch there where, like, yeah, it was a little bit tough, I think, at the start of the second half in particular.
0: But, But, I mean, when you you try to turn yourself into a wall like that, Mm -hmm. you open yourself up to the spin. Mm -hmm. And Siakam hit a couple really nice fadeaways, deep position, you know, felt resistance, spun off of it for that little mid-range fadeaway, 8 to 10 feet. I think he hit three mid-range jumpers in the game. Mm -hmm. If he hits that, it's over. But the other thing is when you try to play so strong and play on the spin the actual just shoulder through a guy is a counter in itself right? mm-hmm. because you're trying to move your weight left and right and when you go straight through someone that's when it, it you know falls apart and see did that a couple of times got straight to the other side of the rim um, his post game was like chess You know, mm-hmm. he just had so many openings, so many middle games, sacrifices it was really masterful and the passing is the other thing, I think even more encouraging, you mentioned um, how good it was, he, he has developed passing out of the post to a great extent, he and Ibaka have showed really nice chemistry, mm-hmm. um, passing on the move has been a little bit iffy for him, yeah. he hasn't quite developed passing out of the pick and roll to the same extent, which is why that read you mentioned from the wing to McCaw in the corner was such a big development, because mm-hmm. those types of looks I haven't seen a ton of and he just he had it all, you know, unlocked. It was really impressive to see him. And, and Toronto's dominance really did flow through him and, you know, we haven't talked about Kyle yet. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move to Kyle. Yeah.
2: So Kyle Lowry, uh, I mean, what a road trip for him! What a season for him! It's been a delight to watch every single night. He goes for twenty-one, five, and seven last night. Like I think less of a sort of overwhelming, dominant performance than say the Jazz game. Sorry, the Warriors game or the the Kings game on Sunday. God, I forgot. But still, just like and by the way, all of this is happening with Norm Powell leaving two minutes into the game, which we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, uh, and it just adds to that like how bloody impressive this win was and how like inspirational it was that they were able to sort of overcome that. Just like it has to be a gut punch to see a dude playing that well, get Player of the Week and then go down two minutes into a game with what looks like a pretty bad injury, although Mike Ganter said after the game that he left without a walking boot or crutches, which is good news, and they have four days off, so I don't know if he's playing on Saturday against the Pistons. Don't play him against the Pistons, because that's where all bad things to Norm happen, but, um, you know, hopefully it's not something that's going to keep him out long-term, the way the shoulder has it a couple times this season, but...
0: Yeah, I just dropped my Norm as a superstar piece yesterday. <laughs> I was going to hold it till tomorrow. Thank God I didn't release yeah. it, but... I mean, you really feel for the guy. How many long, how many times can you come back from a long, you know, convalescence, yeah. and just still be focused when you return? It's got to be draining. Apparently,
2: it's not a problem for him, and he gets better every time. Like before the Charlotte game last week, like the last game, the second last game before they left for the road trip, it was the last game where they lost, uh, nearly making it to overtime. You know, I think before the game, Nurse said something along the lines of every time he comes back, he's, like, another half level up. Yeah. And he's, like, I don't know if he can get another half level this time. But and he, then he did. he did. He got, like, a full other level. Yeah. And, I like, so I, I will not get bet against Norm, you know, coming back for whatever this ankle keeps him out for with, with and kind of keeping up what he's been. Because, man, it's been so fun. But back to Kyle. Yeah. Um, I don't know, what did you think of Kyle's game? It was just it's it's a Kyle game. It's like an absolute Kyle game. He's I mean, his, his defense remains incredible. I, I think the way I've sort of reconciled the whole all defense thing with the Raptors, we'll get to OG Ananobi and his uh his his extracurriculars as well in a little bit, but like I, I think OG probably deserves to be all defense on the team more than anybody else, but maybe because of the the logjam at the forward positions, he's not going to get on. Kyle seems like maybe at the guard spot might be the most likely, and he kind of deserves it. He's been just ridiculous and just, like, ripping the ball away from dudes. He did it last night a couple times as well. And obviously, like, dictating the offense with three guys really comprising most of the offense last night. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm running out of things to say about Kyle Lowry. He's just incredible.
0: Yeah. You know, there's different types of dominance. Yeah. Some guys dominate by shooting sixty percent from the field and scoring thirty, like mm-hmm. Norm. Yeah. Or you know, Serge Ibaka. Um, Kyle dominates. I mean, you say it after every game. Between the edges, there was a there was a play I noticed where there was a long shot and it bounced funny. And even though Ibaka was boxing out Rudy Gobert, Kyle recognized that the ball was going to go over Ibaka's head, and he pinched in, sort of double block Gobert, mm-hmm. got the rebound. It's those types of plays where he, he just recognizes it will be an offensive rebound unless he goes out of his way. Yeah, it's you know He finds ways to win that no other player can find. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about Ibaka's dominance, a lot of that also had to do with Lowry. Mm-hmm. Among the pick and roll artists, no one quite throws the low release bounce pass to the roller mm-hmm. where it only gets one, two feet off the floor at mm-hmm. its highest. He just rolls it, basically, down the floor through the surge, puts spin on it so it goes fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just has these maestro passes that very few... I mean, maybe James Harden does, used to do them when he had a... <laughs> um, not many players can do anything like that. He is an artist between the edges, and we should appreciate him as much as we can. I mean, he shot 7 for 18 from the floor. Didn't matter at all mm-hmm. it was below 40%. Yeah. That step-back 3 with under a minute left. Oh, my God. One
2: of the shots of the season. Yeah, right up there with that Pascal shot in that Kings game. Like, same kind of, like, the shot-making was just absurd. Um, So this is a loaded question because there obviously have been a lot. Love it. But is this your favorite Kyle season? I feel like there might be better seasons, like, statistically. I think 2016-17, before he got hurt, he was one of the, you know, seven or eight best players in the league, probably. This season, I'm not sure, sure you could say that. Maybe you could. I don't know. Like, I think it was Bill Simmons on his podcast with Zach Lowe was saying like Lowry should be like a top six MVP candidate just because of his like. It was really nice hearing Bill Simmons just have like a Kyle Lowry love in. I'm Not gonna lie, it was great. And I'm enjoying that this season Kyle's doing all this and actually getting the recognition for it. It, it rules. But like. I don't know if I can think of a more fun Kyle season. It's been just like an absolute treat, and like I'm worried for his health. He's played 43 minutes like the last two games, and yeah. he's like throwing everything out there. And maybe this will come and catch up to them in the in the fi- in the playoffs in the finals. It, it might, it, hopefully, it catches <laughs> up in the finals. It'd be great. Um, you know, he's played a lot of basketball. I'm not sure, like, how long it's sustainable, but what he's done, man, I, I just I'm so in love with Kyle Lowry and everything about watching him play.
0: I think it has to be the most fun Kyle season, but in in that the rising tide lifts all boats, it's the most fun Raptors season. Yeah. Um. You know there there are six or seven players having their best seasons of all time as a Raptor this year, and Lowry's not one of them. Mm-hmm. If you include him, it goes up by one. Yeah. He just every single player has been so impressive, so um, focused and. This Jazz game was the perfect microcosm of the season. Mm-hmm. It starts out within 95 seconds. Powell and O.G. collide. You think they're both going to leave the game. O.G. later on, gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Seems like he hurt his foot. Um, it looks like it's just a disaster of a game. McCall and Hollis Jefferson share the floor, which is never a great sign. The Jazz come back in the second quarter, and it just looks like it's going to be a bad game. People get injured. Raptors lose, mm-hmm. you know... Last game
2: of the road trip, whatever, it's [SSSSSS1] fine. Yeah, whatever.
0: And then, you know, the end of the second, they put it together when the starters come back in. The third, they make a huge run with the starters, and then Nick Nurse mixes up the rotations, limits the McCaw-Hollis-Jefferson minutes together. Separately, Mm -hmm. they still play, and they're they're quite good when they're separate, usually. Mm -hmm. And the Raptors pull out this unbelievable win. I mean... It looks like it won't be fun in the game or in the season, you know, Kawhi is. Yeah. And then it ends up being just um, devilishly wonderful.
2: Yeah, like I, you can kind of get the sense with this team too when a game is going to be like that. Like I think I tweeted like three minutes after, I think like like three minutes after the injury went down. Like Kyle seemed to kind of like take it over for a second and was like, oh, okay, Kyle's driving the bus in this game and no one is going to stop him or take the wheel away from him. And I, I was like, "Hmm, I, I, very there, there's a very good chance here that something special is going to happen." It kind of felt like that Lakers game a little bit, right? Where yeah. it was like, you know, this sort of building like inspiration <laughs> that seemed to be ready to, to explode at some point. And like, that's the beauty of this team is when you can pick up on that happening and then they pull like, like they pull through with it. It just it's. I don't know, man. Uh, this has been, I think, Carter Rodriguez, friend of the show um, from the the Chase Down podcast, uh, sort of asked the question to Raptors fans last night. Like, is this the most? Is this more fun than last year? And, and look, nothing's ever going to top the playoff run because of all the moments that came in that, and just the the crazy, you know, the ups and downs, and the winning of the actual title, and seeing everything kind of coordinated and everything. But. Last year's regular season was stressful and there was a lot of sort of what-ifs about it and there, it was not cohesive and there was, oh, like there was the whole load management thing that people got mad about for some reason and it was just like a really... I don't want to say it was not fun because there was a lot of fun elements to it. The whole will-he-won't-he thing, while it was stressful, was also a thing that kind of enriched the season a little bit and made it fun to sort of follow and, you know, put, dissect every single kawaii word. But this season, there's no expectation. The The injuries have even added to the lack of expectation. And the fact that they're just, like, blowing it out of the water every single night is – it's just – it's been – I'm never going to forget this season. It's, yeah. like, some of the wins this year are, like, all-time Raptors wins. I, I'm just – I can't say enough about this team, man. They're just – they're undeniably one of the greatest stories of the last five years in the NBA. Like, that's, that's what it is.
0: We set out – to slander
2: Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's, it's too hard. I can't be pu- can't punching people when I'm so yeah. happy myself.
0: All we've done is just talk about how wonderful the Raptors are. It's, you know, truly, we set out to be pessimistic towards <laughs> others, <towards> others <laughs> ended up optimistic. What a wonderful life lesson.
2: I know. Uh, I can't even be mad about Rudy, Gobe- Go- Rudy Gobert being mad about getting ejected. Like, he probably shouldn't have been ejected. <laughs> 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 like, fair enough. OG... Like, let's swing at elbows. Yeah. And, like, I thought Rudy Gobert should have gotten a tech at some point yeah. when he was having his little temper tantrums after not getting the, the foul calls he wanted. Um, and that was a whole other thing. But that was a very OG-created thing, I think. Yeah. And it, it was very funny to me. My favorite part of the whole thing was OG just, like, assuming he was being ejected. He was like, I'm out, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. gone. Yeah, okay, I'm this gone. Yeah, way, that way, which yeah. is the door? And then Gobert almost, like, sort of going back to the floor as though he was like trying to, just be, he was in full denial that he had been ejected. And then when the refs were trying to explain it to him, it was like, hmm, only speak French, sorry, what? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying to me. And what? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, that was a funny little thing. And, you know, I, I can't be mad at Rudy Gobert, whatever. He had a, a very sort of, you know, like, he had a very hateable game. He was, like, throwing his body around. He seemed to knock up Serge a little bit, uh, and I'm hoping Serge's knee is okay because it seemed like he was kind of fighting through some stuff late in yeah. that game. Um, and kudos to him for sticking it out. But I really can't be mad about any of what went down it, it, with Rudy Gobert because he's the one with the team that lost in a very embarrassing fashion.
0: It's like the Mad Men scene you know, where, <laughs> where Pete Campbell says, you know, you disgust me. And, uh, and Don Draper says, you know, I don't think about you at all. Yeah. Right? The Jazz <laughs> just don't register. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, that was an OG and an Obi instigated event. <laughs> but if you take Rudy Gobert's game in totality, it was kind of pathetic. Yeah. It was a childish performance, both physically and emotionally. Yeah. All the tantrums, the jumping up and down, the holding his head in frustration, yeah. and I know it's, you know, um, uh, ironic that I say that because <laughs> Kyle Lowry is certainly known to be demonstrative, but Lowry wins. Yeah. Lowry does that and scores 30 yeah. and wins. And is usually right. And is right. <laughs> yeah. Gobert did not win, did not play a good game, and really let it get to him. Yeah, You know, if you back up your behavior with your game, then it's acceptable. Like Chris Paul. Yeah. You know, you hate him, but... Damn, you respect.
2: I I couldn't possibly hate Chris Paul. He's beautiful. He's Kyle Lowry incarnate. Exactly. It's wonderful. And
0: it's so hard to respect that performance from Gobert because you know it was truly they were in his head. OG mm-hmm. was in his head. The Raptors used to be the team where people get in their heads. Yeah. And now they get in opponents' heads. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama
2: Unafraid, the Raptors are of every team they come across and you're right like the totals flip on its head from like two or three years ago who's going to
0: pump this team? I know right? They're not, like, scared, of, they're not scared of the Bucs they're no. not scared of the Clippers they, they might just, lose to the Bucs yeah.
2: like they might lose to them just based on talent For and Giannis sure. being ridiculous but they're certainly not going to have like a, a LeBron experience where no. it's like oh LeBron is completely consuming our existence we missed those tip-ins in game one and we're talking about it before game four and yes. getting swept like that's not going to happen with this team and that is so refreshing and again part of just like the joy of this season it's just like they're a bunch of motherfuckers man <laughs> in the best possible way and they're just like hardened by the title run and it's just made them uh, impossibly impossibly likable Um, any last thoughts on this game we should probably talk about the bench a little bit um, Terrence Davis once again gets one shift he doesn't perform very well and gets benched for the rest of the night Uh, Not great for the Terrence Davis should be the eighth guy in the playoffs faction of Raptors Internet, which I'm probably part of. It's not looking good for him right now. Um, Hopefully coming home, some home cooking can kind of help him get back on track. But Matt Thomas and Ronda Hellish-Jefferson in particular, we we talked about Pat Pat McCaw a little bit. I mean, Pat McCaw is Pat McCaw, whatever. Um, But Ronda Hellish-Jefferson last night. A had, like, the most entertaining possession in the history of basketball when he <laughs> missed his own shot, like, four times, got his own rebound a couple times, and then somehow walked into a bucket despite having the ball in his hands for, like, 38 consecutive seconds. missed
0: two <laughs> uncontested layoffs, both yeah. rebounds. And he wasn't even happy or mad after. He was just confused walking down the yeah. floor, like, what did yeah. I do? <laughs>
2: Truly delightful stuff. Um, they had a lot of Rondé with the ball in his hands. I, I, not great, but I guess it's kind of their way of keeping space on the floor. Uh, I minute,
0: he must lead the team in touches. It's yeah crazy.
2: They really abandoned all that makes them the Raptors when he's out there. And Every
0: time he's in, he's like, he demands the ball on the block. They give it to him and just yeah. don't run an action for it. It's yeah. quite weird. It's just like,
2: okay, let chaos happen. We'll yeah. see. Maybe the ball will go in at some point. NGP. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but then Matt Thomas, we should probably talk about him a little bit. He's been in the doghouse lately. I have not particularly enjoyed his work lately. He's been tentative. Yeah. He's been almost scared to shoot. He's gotten his three blocked a couple times because I think he's kind of second-guessed himself yeah. before shooting. Not so last night. I think the fact that... he only hit one three last night only attempted two of his seven shots was kind of refreshing it didn't feel like all of his offense was based on threes he was doing the thing where he runs off the line and hitting those little sort of leaning jumpers he cut a couple times beautifully missed one layup from kyle but uh, had a couple nice cuts the great chemistry with Kyle Lowry and sh- shocking Kyle Lowry making a bench guy look good, um, <laughs> good as I mentioned last night Kyle Lowry's entire career is in the interest of making remembering some guys in yeah. 10 years a fun experience for Raptors fans uh, Matt Thomas will be one of those guys I'm sure you remember because of Kyle Lowry um, what did you think of Thomas do you think he like moved up in your power rankings of bench guys with one night it, it really does feel like night to night it's just like a constantly moving wheel of trust with those guys that yeah. are making a up like 8 through 12.
0: I don't think he should necessarily have I don't think the team should have a different perspective of his role. Um, But just Terrence and and Chris Boucher as well did not have it going. Little concerning that Terrence Davis is the slump has been the longest of his young career. Mm -hmm. Um, He's definitely played like a rookie. Last night was not a good game from him. Mm -hmm. Um, And five and a half minutes you know not so big a deal. The team lost it by 15 points not great. (laughs) You can move Past five and a half minutes and try someone else and they moved to Matt Thomas he was next up and he really performed the team will always have someone who can pick up that slack mm-hmm. and so as you say you know it wasn't just the threes he took a lot of one dribble pull-ups he was great at those couple cuts it, the possession where he got into the paint waited 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 jumped hung lefty layup was was the most impressive of yeah. the game for him His rebounding has been refreshing.
2: It's ridiculous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he finds ways to contribute beyond shooting, which is clearly... He knows what his reputation is. Mm-hmm. He knows it's not enough to get him on the NBA court mm-hmm. and he has to find other ways to contribute. And he's good at that.
2: Yeah, he had one rebound last night that was Terry Ross-esque just like flying in from nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't terribly contested but it was a big look fancy good. looking one and he had sort of a clinching one late in the game too where it wasn't really a traditional go up, box out, get the rebound. It was like a fight for the loose ball that he ended up coming up with too. Um, he's He's been great on the rebounding side of things. It's been shocking but it's been really fun.
0: I think Matt Thomas is firmly on the JJ Redick trajectory, and I know it's kind of an easy comparison, yeah. But it's also the most obvious one, yeah. Just because JJ Redick was not good enough to just be a shooter, yeah. He became a very good team defender, um, not quite as great a rebounder, but you know, really good at the one dribble shooting. Super underrated passer, screen setter, yeah. cutter. Matt Thomas isn't there in any of those ways yet. No. You know, he's clearly not as good as J.J. Reddick, who's a wonderful player. Yeah. But, I mean, he's building along the edges in a similar way. And so, the, the peak, the ceiling of that career look something like what J.J. Redick is and, and he won't get there this year by any means yeah. probably not ever yeah. but it's encouraging that he's extending out the tendrils of some other skills and we saw that last night yeah
2: I I don't know if he's gonna you know swing a playoff game or anything like that no. he might he might have a stretch where he comes in for three minutes and hits two threes and it's like oh there, there's the bench game. offense like yeah. that might swing one of those stretches where the bench exactly. can't score
0: might string a, swing a sw- stretch of it.
2: exactly and like I don't think he's going to factor much into the playoff rotation but like, I feel like he'd kind of be like the Jody Meeks type of thing where he's a better shooter, but like you know he'll come in and play a couple minutes at the end of a quarter if they need some shooting yeah. and they want to sort of stem the tide a little bit and their offense is sputtering. But uh, nice to see him have a nice game and uh, nice to see the Raptors get four days off because they have to be absolutely beat from <laughs> this road trip. And, uh, I mean, I could talk about them all day, but we should probably wrap up. You're in Hamilton to go cover some cool news for the Canadian Elite Basketball League, which... People should keep an eye out for uh, It's probably going to drop not long after this podcast posts It's going to be cool And there's going to be some rapper's involvement I can just tell you that So, it's in, like, tendential rapper's involvement But assuming things in the playoffs go as they are planned to go But that's all I'll tease <laughs> Yeah, that's more than I know
0: I, I will be there to cover it Actually, uh, be, I'll be covering the CBL all year Hell yeah uh, In varying, you know, t- to be determined amounts of coverage But certainly some uh, so really excited to go figure out what it is. Sean is teasing.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Lewis, do you have anything you want to plug?
0: Yeah, the Norm piece. I mean, sure. He, he'll he be out. Hopefully not for long. Uh, you can find it at my Twitter. Just my name, Lewis Atzman, L-O-U-I-S, Z-A-T-Z-M-A-N, at Twitter. Um, Norm, becoming a superstar. Really fun story. Will not be at all you know, stopped by his injury, just delayed, just like all of his other injuries. He is turning into something Toronto dramatically needed. The, yeah. end of the season, whatever they need, they find on the roster. So Sean, thank you so much for having me As no always, problem man, it's buddy such a pleasure to be here to see your place
2: thanks buddy uh, yeah you can uh, find me at Woodley Sean you can go to raptors.com to find my work this month uh, I wrote a piece for the 905 as well talking about the women of the Raptors 905 Great You piece. can check. thanks man uh, you can go check that out uh, also my John Thomas piece where I spoke to former Raptors journeyman Big John Thomas uh, about his time with Toronto and how he was my first basketball love you can go find that uh, and lots of good stuff coming over the next couple of weeks as well some extremely Sean shit too so huh. Keep an eye out. Uh, And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure now to tell your smart device to go listen to Locked On Leafs to hear about that tire fire of a team. And uh, we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked On Raptors.